You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. A ton to get to today, the best non-quarterback in the SEC East. That's what we'll talk about. Also, how good of a job is the Florida job? A lot of people have been debating that recently. And a ton of news as camps are opening it is time. So we'll go to Auburn, LSU, Tennessee, just about every school. Support of the Locked On SEC Football Podcast comes from Manscaped, uh, the number one, absolutely number one in men's below the belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Take. Manscaping offers precision, precision engineered tools for down there. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Locked On at manscaped.com. 20% off at manscaped.com with the promo code locked on here we go we'll have injury news of course as uh, coaches will kind of update us of uh, what's been happening over the summer and Alabama with some uh, injury news and uh, it, players that are extremely limited and that'll be the case with LeBron Ray I always wonder about how do you make sure Chris uh, they get enough work in preseason camp, but they don't re-injure themselves. Well, the first thing you have to do is, obviously, with your medical staff, you've got to get the injury healed, and that's the first thing because you can't you can't take it to that next level. So once you get cleared, once that it's been tested and you need work, you have a game plan of how much work. How much exertion? And, of course, that's all part of the test that's done in the rehab. As you know, I mean, anybody that's out there that's had any kind of surgery, well, depending on the surgery, it's usually the rehab that's the key. And so you you have a really good idea. And so you monitor it. Okay, uh, you get to the staff, all right, well, can we do this with them, with this strength? No, this would be good. And then, and then you maybe alternate certain drills and things that you feel he can do until you build up. But there's a constant monitoring by the medical staff, training staff to see where he is to get him to full strength. So you can get mental reps and, you know, like if it's something that you got to stay off your feet, it's an ankle. <clears throat> they had these little, you ever seen these little, I, I call them little scooter looking things where, you know, you can put your feet up and you're not standing on it or, you know, it, they're, there are ways you can be out there behind the drill and you can take mental reps without being on your feet, if that's an issue. If being on your feet is good for a certain amount of time, then you'll be on a feet. They're always accompanied by like a student trainer or somebody that can monitor them. So um, it's really pretty simple. Now, once you get them to where they're cleared, then you got to get them ready, but you can't overdo it and you got to work it in stages. It's really not as difficult because it's a collaborative effort, but the, it's really... 90% of, I mean, it's really all medical, what they tell you they can do and what they can't, and then you go from there based on that. So LeBron Ray, the defensive end, will be extremely limited in Alabama's preseason camp, and uh, also as we turn he, to he's, Auburn. He's got an ankle, by the way, you know, just right. to, yeah, he's got an ankle, so we'll, we'll, and he's coming off that little surgery, so yeah, we'll see. That That is big for a big guy. Auburn uh, had some news on uh, Jordan Peters, defensive back Achilles. Gosh, we saw it happen to Kevin Durant. Um, you certainly want to be careful with that. Achilles are tricky and are dangerous and are problems. And, 
you know, I don't know um, how this will play out, but is if he can kind of progress in August, you know, um, you know, he's the guy they like behind Christian Tutt at Nichols. So, you know, again, uh, got to get him through that. And so what this really means is let's just say he has limited work to kind of further what you were just talking about in August. Well, then maybe there's limits of how many snaps he can go in September, but maybe it's more in October, you know, depending on further less uh, not having further aggravation to it. But, uh, no, he's he has a definite role in, in the uh, – the coverage spread set against spread sets. Uh, LSU, Dennis Johnson, uh, <laughs> defensive line coach, has been ruled out indefinitely for on-field coaching because of two knee injuries that he suffered playing pickup basketball. Well, that sounds uh, – Can you? what more can you tell us about that? Well, when you're a fat guy as a coach, you don't be playing basketball, right? You know what I mean? You, you... <laughs> Fat guys are going to come down and something bad's going to happen to your knees, okay? Dennis is not that old. He's a relatively young guy, but he's way too heavy. And you know what? I Look, now, I, I, I'll tell you, and, and I, you know, this is something, you know, I that once a week, um, I don't know, maybe even more often than that, a lot of coaches, Pete Carroll did it. I don't know. I mean, probably a lot of coaches. I know Saban has their little basketball things. that. I never liked that during the season. Um, and I'm, I'm really, I, I don't, I don't like that at all. Cause that, that very thing could happen. We had uh, Les Steckel had, uh, did the same thing playing basketballs in the off season, but he's on crutches. So he's trying to coach on crutches. You know what? I mean, dude, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're 30 years old, you're 40 years old, you're 50 years old. Look, I mean, in the off season, you got time and you don't want to, make your life football and you can't do anything else or you can't go skiing with your wife, but for goodness sakes, you're getting ready for practice. Just, just do, go on the bike, do, do exercise safely. Cause you got a coach now. Now this is pretty bad because now he can't be there. And, um, you know, now you've got uh, Kalichi Udezi, who's an analyst. Remember him, former defensive lineman at USC that, that uh, Ed coached, uh, he's going to be there, but no, I mean it's so bad that that he can't he can't now coach for a while. That they basically had to take him off, and they had to, you know, write in to the NCAA and in the the SEC to to get Khaleesi, you know, permission to coach on field because you you got to have only so many that's on field. I just again I don't want to be selfish or rude, but man, you just you, you can't be doing that. You know, you're a football coach. You got responsibilities. What, what if you're, you do that and you're, you're on the road recruiting too. And, and now you can't go on the road, recruit a guy. I mean, you know, I just do come on. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want yeah. players doing that. I sure as heck don't want my coaches doing that either. There's less reason for them to be doing it. Now, uh, <laughs> Ingram, uh, sophomore guard, uh, LSU head coach, Ed Orgeron, said he's hopeful that uh, Ingram, who's suspended, can return at some point this season. Um, but he's arrested on two counts of sexual assault. Is Ed doing the right thing even standing by this guy? Most of the time in this climate, uh, you distance yourself from somebody who's involved with sexual or domestic assault. Yeah, look, I don't, on none of these situations, probably none of us, we don't know what happened. We, we know what the issues are. But look, he may know more. I'm obviously he's talked with the kid in most of these cases, Dave, and I can speak generically 
because specifically, you know, I don't know what happened or didn't happen. Uh, but Kid probably told him, you know, he didn't do what he was accused of doing. And so you stand by him until, you know, you prove that because if you if, if the guy then he lies to you, then, you know, then he's going to be gone. So I guess I guess I would say this. It's it may sound bad, but I'm OK with the coach standing by his player it, as long as y- you believe that he's innocent, because what if you say, I mean, he suspended him. I mean, so, you know, until we get this result, you're suspended. And then if it comes out that you're, you know, you did what you're accused of doing, then you're gone forever for LSU football. If, if you it's proven that it's not true and it's a false accusation, well then, boy, if you just say, all right, I'm not standing by you, you're done. Well then what if it proves that the guy didn't do what he did? I, you know, I think that's equally as unfair. So, you know, people say, ah, standing player. Oh, yeah, just player. They, they, could, they could move on from any player and could use the scholarship. I mean, I, I just think you, you stand by your player as long as you believe in them. If it's a third or fourth offense and the guys just give it, then, then you kind of know at that point because you can't rely upon them or you're gone. But in, a, in this case, he probably believes in his innocence or he probably, you know, has got reason to believe in it until he doesn't. So I, I'm okay with any coach, including Ed, sticking by the guy until he knows the whole story. And I'm going to assume that if he knew for certain that he was guilty of this, well, then he wouldn't be there. I, 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 I truly believe that with any coach. Now, I think everybody assumes that now because, you know, Art Browse turned his head on a lot of situations. Um, but, you know, even then, when those things took place, and I didn't know about, you know, 90% of them, what goes on. With, with that type of personal stuff, but you think you think he would have made the right decision. He didn't. So I'm not saying they always make the right decisions, but standing by your player until you know for certain that he's guilty, I think is the right thing to do. And then you've got to got to be proactive when it when it's not. I, I maybe I'm unfair in that. You see it differently. Uh well, I, I understand there's relationships between the coach and player. Uh, I think you're going to take a hit uh, PR by mm-hmm. PR wise by standing by him. I guess it would just come down to if I believe the uh, player or not. If I looked in his eyes, if he'd ever lied to me before, his background, um, I, I guess I would have to make the call on the player. And, and you're right. It, it's it, it, you can end up wrong either way. Um, which is unfortunate. You know, right. So in, in, the, in the right thing to do, though, is to suspend him, which he did. He's suspended. He can't be involved in any team activity. And then they're gonna, there's going to be a court date September 13th. So, you know, I mean, we don't know. I mean, you don't know until it goes to court what really happened. And it's probably a he said, she said, like most of these cases. And we don't know what happened. The only t- two people that know what happened, obviously the pe- people involved. So at that time, if it's found out that he's not guilty and didn't do it, well, then you can unsuspend him, bring him back. If you find out that he's guilty, then you release him. But if you just say you're done, well, then you can't really bring him back at that point because you've, you know, I mean, you can't just say you're done. You're suspended permanently. You're never coming back. And then, oh, my bad. You didn't do what you were accused to do. I didn't believe, you know, to me, then that, I don't know. To me, I don't. I think there's only one way to go. 
is just to suspend a guy, which he didn't have. They didn't suspend him. And he said, well, wait a minute. You know, I'm not doing anything. He's going to play this week if somebody had a game. Then, then I think you do that. Then I think if you do that, that's an issue. If you've got a question, a guy's accused of something, boom, you're suspended. You're off. Okay, you're off the team until we figure out what happened. And when you find out what happened, then we'll determine whether you're back on or you're gone permanently. To me, I, I think that's the not only the safe thing, but the right thing because you don't know. Even if a player tells you, you don't know if they're telling you the truth. You hope so, but you don't know. And, and maybe they're telling you their, their truth and how they saw it, but we all know how these domestic situations are. They're awful. There's never right, but, but sometimes they don't happen. Sometimes it's a getting mad never touch them then you find out no no you really never touch me i see some of that happen too so domestic any type of sexual assault or any assault at all on a woman is wrong in any way but sometimes it doesn't exist and it's made up and that's that that to me you know what's the old saying it's better to let the uh, guilty men go free than have one innocent guy be guilty so i don't know i, I may be wrong on that but that's kind of the way i look at it yeah, a lot at stake, and um, you know, I I think um, a, a tough decision. Again, I would just have to look the player in the eye. If he'd had issues before, I would probably say, yeah, you're uh, gone. Yeah, I, you're that's gone. it. Yeah, you know, I mean, because because if you got a pattern, you know, I mean, you're either the the, the unluckiest guy in the world, or you're dishonest. Because if you're having a whole lot of that stuff, you're right. But um, if you don't have a pattern, then you got that. Because usually, when you go down that path with a player, you say. You better, I mean, now, now because you got this against you, you better not ever. I mean, you know, if you get, if you got a, you, you better not even go close to trouble again because you're on a no tolerance issue at all. Then anything that comes up, then you don't even, you're done. That's it. So I, I, I think we're kind of on the same page there. Couple of commitments, uh, Texas A&M and Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, Shedrick Banks, wide receiver in the 2021 class. Uh, Good-looking kid. Everybody wanted him. Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma. Uh, took his final uh, uh, recruiting week in visits in July. Uh, really liked it. Um, so he's a Houston native. Big, strong slot that's a really good get for Texas A&M. Um, so great for them. Uh, no question um, adding a guy like that of that elk. And in Tennessee, getting uh, James Robinson. Uh, the guard, uh, really good-looking uh, player. He's a three-star kid, but I think he's a really good run blocker. He's from Montgomery, Alabama. A&M liked him. I think he's one of those guys that may be a little bit better than the three-star person. Certainly better in the run game than he's getting credit for. Not great feet. So a couple of uh, commitment news uh, out in the SEC um, yesterday. Coming up. Uh, we look at some of the best non-quarterbacks, the most important non-quarterbacks on some SEC teams. Also, how good of a job is Florida? A recent debate sparked about that. And we continue right after this. You're locked on SEC football podcast. You are locked on SEC football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC football podcast. We talked about the best non-quarterbacks. I should say most important uh, non-quarterbacks, or you can take it either way you want to, Chris, um, in the SEC West yesterday. Today, we take a look at the SEC East. So what is each team's uh, most important non-quarterback uh, in the SEC East? 
You know, it's it's interesting because you can look at it a few different ways. So let's just take like each team, you know, Georgia. Well, obviously it's non-quarterback. That's the purpose of it. All right, boy, DeAndre Swift is a great back. You hate to lose him, but they've got depth at running back. Um, you know, you can look and see if they lose any one of those type of receivers that they're already kind of thin on, then that's a really strong indicator. So I would say maybe a Demetrius Robinson, who's really to this point um, a guy with ability but hadn't really been all that productive. You lose him off of that thin, inexperienced receiving core, that would be really tough to deal with. I also think a guy like a Jordan Davis, who's a really good interior defensive line, it's a it's a good defensive line, but of the three levels of their defense, it's the you know, linebackers and and, and defensive backs are better. So I would say guys like that. Boy, they got a great offensive line. There's no question if they lose an Andrew Thomas, that's big. But boy, they've got a great depth. So I think that maybe the most important are the guys that they can least afford to lose. So I would submit those guys for Florida. You know, um, you know, I would say somebody like um, uh, maybe a guy like C.J. Henderson who can lock down one side if they lose. It's but it's a deep secondary, so you can look at other directions. I would say Kadarius Tony would fit into that category because he's a big time playmaker for them. Um, I think on the defensive side, um, you can look at any one of the, maybe a guy like Jabari Zaninga, that would be someone that would represent ability to create pressure in four man pressure looks uh, and losing him or using uh, Jonathan Greenard might be the most difficult loss for them. So Secondary's deep, so let me retract a guy like C.J. Henderson, who is the most physically gifted player maybe on their defense, uh, but very productive secondary. We talked about how good they are in the secondary, how good they are at safety, how, you know, for example, you get a guy like a Brad Stewart that graded out even better last year just in terms of assignment, effort, technique. I would say defensive guys. Missouri – I think if they lose a playmaker like Albert O, they lose their running back um, Roundtree, that would be significant for them. For South Carolina, um, you know, I think it would be a guy like uh, Javon Kinlaw, defensive lineman, would be huge. For Tennessee, you know, I, I really worry worry about them on the offensive line. And depth, I worry about their playmaking ability on the defensive front. So I could go a number of different directions there of who they might miss. And, you know, maybe, um, you know, I, I think it could be one of those young freshmen that I think are going to have an impact at tackle uh, would be a huge loss. But I'm going to go with that side of the ball and say um, if you lose guys that can be an impact, maybe, you know, a Bryce Thompson, a uh, uh, a warrior in the secondary. I think those guys would be tremendous impacts to this team, particularly defensively. But I'd say line of scrimmage would jump out. They've got more skill position guys than they do line of scrimmage guys. Kentucky, boy, this is really interesting because I would say they would miss Drake Jackson, their center, probably more than anybody. Uh, and he may be as important a guy that they have. 
And for Vanderbilt, man, I think it's it it. I would have a hard time deciding between Kalijah Linscombe, um, Keyshawn Vaughn, and Jared Pinckney. I, I think those those guys would be the most difficult for them to deal with. They do not have individual star power on defense. They're well-schooled on that side of the ball. They play good sound technique. But those guys are the playmakers. So they lose any one of those three, it hurts them. Um, so that's the direction I would go. There we go. <clears throat> there certainly are a lot of uh, important players in in uh, the SEC, and I find it interesting that as we've gone over this, most oftentimes it's been guys in a leadership role, or at least quite mm-hmm. a few times, and that's either center or um, middle linebacker, the guys that call the defense. So in, in some semblance, they uh, are somewhat quarterbacks in the fact that they have uh, a lot of leadership responsibility. So coming up, we will uh, talk about how good of a job is Florida? Where do, <clears throat> where does it rank? Now, hold on, stay tuned. We'll be your Locked On SEC Football podcast right after this. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're Locked On SEC Football Podcast, an interesting conversation that I had on my radio show, and and that was at Zach Smith, who is now a, a podcaster, interesting enough, the former coach at Ohio State, and he uh, made reference to Florida not being a good job. Now, in a recent poll, it came out that Florida's um, facilities were uh, barely top 25, right at uh, 25, according to 24-7. You have in-state talent. I happen to think that um, it's a top five-ish job, uh, maybe top seven in there, uh, while at the same time, my co-host thought, no, probably around uh, 10 plus. Um, I'm curious what you think, Chris, where would you rank, uh, Florida in terms of best jobs and in, in terms of facilities, resources, support, uh, in-state talent, and, uh, where would you rank it in terms of best jobs uh, with the ability to win in the entire country? Well, in terms of facilities, they've definitely fallen behind. I mean, you know, places like Alabama, LSU, definitely A&M, Auburn, Georgia, you know, those programs have better facilities. In fact, South Carolina just got done with theirs. Kentucky, yes, Kentucky football. Is better, they all have better facilities than Florida. That's just because Florida has kind of relied upon the fact that it's such a great job. And there's so many good uh, recruiting resources that they just kind of let that go. They're capable of doing it, and they're committed to doing it. So that's just a matter of, you know, getting the shovel and the bulldozers out and doing it. Uh, they can do it. It is an elite job. It is one of the best jobs in the country. And I'd have to sit there and, you know, if, if I looked at it, if you look at the resources with, with, um, with talent in the state, um, it, 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 they've got financial resources. Uh, it, it is, you know, definitely one of the best in terms of, what they physically done again with the brick and mortar. No, they've fallen behind, but man, it's, it's absolutely one of the elite jobs. Um, I mean, I, it is when you look in the sec, there are 
six historically, and with AM now, it's seven, that they have all the resources, recruiting, financial wherewithal, and either facilities or the means to constantly upgrade facilities because everybody's doing that. They've got seven teams that can compete for national championships. Whereas the others, if they do the best that they can, they're going to need some help above them for those certain programs underachieving. And of course, that's, you know, in, in no particular order, but Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, Alabama, LSU, Auburn, and AM, those programs have elite levels. So, and Florida's in that group. Now, where do they fit? Well, I would say that if you go back years ago, it was as good as any in the league, probably outside of Alabama. Um, again, because of facilities, you might knock it down a little bit of peg. It certainly was always considered kind of a better job than maybe an LSU or in some cases Auburn, Georgia. But, you know, you got to talk about in terms of – because I do a lot of coaching search work there elites of the elites but some people if you're a kirby smart you're gonna like georgia more because you're a georgia guy if you're an lsu guy or a uh, you know an auburn guy you're gonna like that more than you like so what people might think just fans and how a coaches look at it they it's completely different um so i think it's one of the absolute best jobs in the country and you know if you do it right and let me just say this We've seen LSU screw up coaching hires. We've seen Alabama screw up coaching hires. We've seen a lot of people screw up hires, even at big-time programs. So you've got to have good administrators to make good decisions. But the Florida job is an elite job. The difference is a lot of people are making a whole lot of money today because the money's good everywhere. So like where a – coach might leave a Michigan state years ago to go to an LSU. Uh, you know, Mark D'Antonio is not going to leave Michigan state to go to his alma mater, South Carolina, or go to a Florida or go to somewhere else. You know why he can make a ton of money where he's at. And you know, it, 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 it's not like it used to be where there is a little bit of a, a huge difference financially, but I, I, I don't know where to put it in terms of numbers, but it's on that short list, and, and the SEC has more of those national championship caliber programs than anybody. Florida's in that list. Where would you rank in the SEC yourself? Uh, <clears throat> I would say that given the in-state talent, maybe I'll place a little too much emphasis on that. And as far as facilities, uh, that's, that's certainly a ding, but I think that's something they can fix. Correct. Um. They, Man, it, it, first of all, of first of all, in-state talent recruiting-wise, they're number one. Yeah, no, not state. even close. Uh, so, and I tell you, I, I just feel like if 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 they shored up the facilities, which could be done in twelve months, I don't know that there's a, a, a significantly better job in the SEC. If that happened, mm-hmm. I know Alabama is Alabama now, but they've they've been bad for a number of years before Nick Saban got there and they don't have the in-state talent. Right. But that, but that, that is a like bad hires, but just in terms of, you know, you can't, you can screw up USC's an elite job. 
but you can screw that up or you can make that elite, you know, depending on who you hire. You know, you put Mike DeBose or Mike DeBose or Mike Shula at Alabama, Alabama stinks. It's an embarrassment. You put Nick Saban, it's the best. So it can't be based upon, well, who's the best? Well, AM's never won. Well, AM's never had an elite coach. So that's why they haven't won. They've got the resources. So now Alabama has a lot more money and spends a lot more money, but they also generate more money because of their success. But no, you're right. It is. I mean, you could absolutely make a case that it's it's as good as any in the league um, outside of the facility issues. It's it's right there. I know this. Bear Bryant said they ever figure out the right coach to hire over there were all playing for second back in the day. And that's that's because of the population boom of, of Florida when the you know early 70s. That's when it was, hey, watch out. Florida's going to be something. Well, Florida's, the state of Florida has been something for a while. I, I, I would say this. If they get an offensive-minded coach, which they do, um, because I think defense pretty much take care of itself because of the talent, and they get a coach that is an aggressive recruiter, uh, which they haven't had both at the same time. We'll see if Dan Mullen can be that guy. I think it could be the best job in the SEC. Steve Spurrier wasn't an aggressive recruiter. He would take the fourth best running back in the state and be fine with that. And with his coaching, uh, he could he could coach them up and put them in the right position to make plays. So if they got that perfect coach, and we'll see if Dan Mullins that from a recruiting standpoint, I don't know that it's not the best job in the SEC. I mean, that may sound crazy, but... No, it, it could be. You make some really good points. Now, let me say this. To your point on Steve, I thought he had really good talent. But remember, Alabama wasn't good for a lot of that period. LSU wasn't very good. AM was nothing. Auburn was up and down. And Georgia underachieved. And, you know, he outcoached. Phil former quite a bit. So the, the, I mean, I tell you this right now, right now, as it is, it's tougher now. I mean, Steve Spurrier in his prime, you know, I, 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 if you had, you know, a guy, the caliber of Kirby smart, I, I don't know that Steve's winning it like he did then. I, I think that there's a big part of, but you, it's a fair point. There's a lot of talent. Um, yeah, a lot of guys there and, and a lot of the recruiting ranking stuff is, gets people off. People think who has the best talent based upon how they're ranked. And that's just not as accurate as people like to think. Uh, but no, it is. I don't know. Anybody can't think that's not one of the elite jobs in the country. I mean, it is absolutely. Here's what it's not. It's not an old school. I mean, it is. And I go back a long time. Florida wasn't good. Spurrier, when he was a player, had moments. Florida wasn't good until Charlie Pell got there. And Charlie Pell was the guy, and he also got him on probation, but he did this at Clemson. He developed the IPTE program, the IPA 30 a year, as in 1,000. And he went to Florida, and he started the Bull Gators, which if you ever go into like a Florida media guide and you see the list of Bull Gators – and the print is so small that if you have like a a uh, uh, a a, a, a uh, microscope, <laughs> you, you can't read the names. And they go on for pages and pages. That's how much mo- they get a ton of money. It was Pell that did that. Now they didn't 
and they had a little success. But if you remember, he got run out due to the problems. Galen Hall replaced him as the interim, got into more problems. And then that's when they hired Steve. That's when my old mentor, Bill Orangeberger, left uh, us at LSU to go to Florida as the athletic director, and they hired Steve. And they didn't win, and they were dominant until Nick Saban got at Alabama. Steve Spurry was probably the second-best coach maybe in the history of the SEC. It's a newer program. Alabama's all good. LSU's all good. Auburn's all good. Georgia's all good, whereas Florida is kind of new. New as, you know, 1980s good. Yeah. I would say the top four. Um, again, I, I maybe I lean on my uh, covering recruiting background a little too much. I would say uh, Georgia, Florida, LSU, Alabama, and the SEC. And I... I know Alabama doesn't have that in-state recruiting quite like the others, but they can get into Atlanta, and there's a ton of support there. Mm-hmm. So I would take any of those jobs if they call me, Chris. No doubt about it. Elite <laughs> job. So, yeah, I, I don't – I don't. Uh, the, the talk about Florida not being all that good. Listen, I'm going to tell you uh, – I'll tell you how good it was. Urban Meyer, who his dream job was, quote-unquote – and I go back with Urban since he was a GA at Ohio State – his dream job was Notre Dame, and he turned down Notre Dame to go to Florida because he knew that he couldn't – I mean, you know, he had spent some time there under Lou Holtz and Skip Holtz. And he knew that there were restrictions at Notre Dame that you did not have at Florida. And it wasn't financial restrictions because Notre Dame can pay whatever they want. But what they're willing to pay and how they're willing to do it, who they're letting into school, who can stay off campus, and what, what classes you can put them in. A lot of restrictions at Notre Dame that he didn't want to deal with. So he thought Florida was a pretty good job, and uh, we know he left it kind of in a mess. But I, I think that that was, um, that was an indication of how good that job. I think they could get just about anybody. Um, you know, again, other people have options. You know, I always tell people, people say, oh, but Chris Peterson turned down Georgia. And then, hey, hey, Chris Peterson is a Northwest guy. He wasn't ever going to go. It, he would He would have turned out he wouldn't have been interested in LSU or Alabama or Florida. He's from the Northwest. He's got a special needs child. Uh, there's only two jobs that he ever had any interest in leaving Boise for, and that was Oregon and Washington. So you can't look at it as, oh, well, it's not as good. Well, it, it may be good for you out there, but for the, for the coach, and that's the only thing that matters, not everybody sees the job quite the way you might see it out there. So um, I think that's something to keep in mind. But if you're just looking generically, I think it's one of the absolute elite jobs. Agreed. That is your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. Have a fantastic weekend, everyone. We will talk to you on Monday. For Chris Landry at LandryFootball.com, I'm Dave Hooper.